Thank you for listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We are now continuing with Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism with Roy Shulman. Hi, this is Roy Shulman and welcome again to Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism, the show on Radio Maria that celebrates the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church or seen the other way around that celebrates the full fulfillment, the full realization of the promise of Judaism in the Catholic Church and her sacraments. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, First of all, it's welcome to a first Saturday. And um, I hope that uh, I hope that you are honoring our Blessed Virgin Mary in a special way on this first Saturday. And um, you know the conditions, uh, I hope, for the first Saturday promise. If, if you observe these conditions on five consecutive first Saturdays, they are to go to Mass and receive communion, to pray the rosary, to spend 15 minutes with the Blessed Virgin Mary in uh, meditating on one of her mysteries, and go to confession. I believe the condition is now within a week before or after. So I don't want to start the show without reminding you that it's the first Saturday. And normally on a first Saturday, I would do a show uniquely dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. But um, I have a very special guest for you today. So that's, that's what I'm going to be doing instead. And I only met him this morning. So uh, it's was kind of uh, seemed very providential. So uh, I don't want to waste too much time. He has a wonderful story to tell. He is also a Jewish uh, entrant into the Catholic Church, a Jewish convent, a convert. And uh, he, uh, boy, I just heard his story this morning and I was blown away. And so I said, what are you doing at three o'clock Eastern time this afternoon? (laughs) Would you come on my Radio Maria show? So um, I think that's enough of an introduction. I think that uh, you can take it from there, Stephen. Uh, yes. Hello. Thank you, Mr. Schumann. Thank you for having me on the show today. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's my pleasure, and I'm sure it's the pleasure of our listeners. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's all for the glory of God. Amen. Uh, so perhaps, um, boy, I don't, I can't just ask you to repeat what you said this morning, but, uh, perhaps you can start with a little bit about, um, about your, your background, your early experience of religion and your, um, uh, what brought you into the Catholic church? Oh, yes, I would, I would be happy to, I would be happy to. So I suppose a a good place to start, as you said, is is from the beginning. So I will just, I will just begin there. So just give me a a brief moment really quickly just to get. Well, why don't we, why don't we, uh, in a quiet spot. Why don't we start with a Hail Mary? That can't hurt, right? Yes. Let's, let's please do that. <laughs> okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Holy Mary, seat of wisdom, pray for us. Amen. Amen. 
Praise God. Amen. Oh, I'm glad we did that. <laughs> so, uh, well, my story is 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 this. Um, it's a it's a story just of someone who uh, has just been has been given a, a love for God, and um, who I believe I have been called. Um, by our Lord to to follow Him as as a disciple, um, as unworthy as as I may be, and I, I certainly am that. Um, so I was uh, when I was seven days old, um, my birth parents uh, were not able to uh, they were not able to provide for me because I was born in in some pretty difficult circumstances, and so I was I was placed for adoption. Uh, placed up for adoption when I was about seven days old, and I was adopted by uh, two wonderful parents, uh, a beautiful couple, my mother Marianne and my mother Stephen. And they they had a mixed marriage, and so my my father was brought up Jewish, went to Hebrew school, the whole nine yards, and my mother uh, was was raised as a cradle Catholic. And so when I was when I was adopted by them, the first thing that my mother did uh, was place a little cross uh, on my neck. But ironically, <laughs> they they made a decision, you know, just discussing between the two of them about which faith I was going to be brought up in. And it was my grandparents on my father's side. It was their wish that I'd be brought up in the Jewish faith. Um, even though I am not Jewish by blood, because my biological parents are not Jewish. Well, as far as I know, for, for all I know, there there could be some Judaism in there in the bloodline, but I have no knowledge of that. And so uh, I was I was raised in in the Jewish faith, and um, you know I had a a, a brisk. When I was when I was a baby, uh, let me interrupt I, because I, I, we I we have a lot of there. we have a lot of Goyish listeners. That's circumcision for for you who don't know the word uh, bris. Yes, thank you, <laughs> thank you for clarifying that. And so I was I was given a Hebrew name, which is uh, my my Hebrew name is Reuben Chaim, um, after my my great grandfather Reuben, who was a, a very good man. And so being brought up, I was, I was exposed to both faiths. I was exposed to the Catholic faith, um, especially because of my grandmother, God rest her soul. On my mother's side, her name was Anna, who, you know, had a very simple faith. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that she was on fire with the faith, but she, it was profoundly um, just genuine, simple from the heart. And so that was a, a witness to me from, from very early on. Even though I was being brought up Jewish, she would sometimes take me to daily mass and we would go, we would light candles and I would see the priest and the statues. And I always found it to be a very awe-inspiring experience. And so, yes, I mean, it, it, it captivated me. And it, it, from a young age, I, I had so many questions. Um, but both my parents not being uh, not being terribly religious, 
there wasn't a whole lot of discussion about it. There were there were there were examples here and there. There were times in church and in synagogue, but it was not something that was really emphasized in the home until I reached the age of about eleven, when uh, my father approached me and had a, had a conversation with me um, about being bar mitzvah. And he said, you know, your mother and I are not religious people, but we do, we would like you to have some sort of faith and believe in God. If that's what you want, we're not going to force you to do it. It's totally your choice. And I said, yes, that I, I would love to have the bar mitzvah. I'm, I'm proud of being a Jew. And I know what this will make my grandfather, which was his father, very happy because uh, my grandfather, who was also not a very very religious man was very proud to be Jewish nonetheless. Um, he would always brag about the fact that he's a Cohen. So again, for our non-Jewish listeners, the the Cohens um, in the Old Testament, um, they were the the priests according to the line of Aaron. Um, so my my grandfather claimed that that lineage, and he ex- explained to me that. You know, it, it was a privilege to be a Cohen, and so I, I had a, a profound reverence and deep appreciation for the faith. And when I began studying at, at Hebrew school, I, I had a, a tutor that I would see about once a week, and I began learning the, the language and um, studying the scriptures and getting to know the stories about the prophets and about the, the traditions of, of our people and how much our people have have suffered and but nonetheless are are chosen by God and and dearly uh, beloved by by God so i was always uh, trying to be astute uh, by asking asking questions but eventually uh, those questions ended up getting me in trouble uh, because the influence from my mother's side of the family uh, never, that is the, the Catholic and Christian influence, to me, it never really seemed to be in any conflict with Judaism. I, I didn't, you know, I just, I knew mommy was Catholic, daddy was Jewish. I knew Jesus was a Jew. I knew that the Jews had not ex- accepted Christ as the Messiah. But even so, it just, it all just, it seemed to kind of, just kind of fit together for me, even though I, I couldn't quite articulate how um, it fit together. Because it, it seemed to me that whenever I, I would go to the synagogue and, and pray, whether for a, a bar mitzvah or for a, a funeral or a wedding, I felt God's presence there. And when I would go into a Catholic church, I felt God's presence there as well. So it was clear to me that it was the same God. Um, who w- was the god of, of Judaism and, and the god of, of Christianity, because Roy, as, as you know, and as we discussed this morning, and as your listeners, I, I hope, will understand um, that Christianity and Catholicism is, is the fulfillment of, of Judaism. It is the, the full maturity of, of God's covenant and God's promise um, that he made to David and to Abraham and the prophets all fulfilled the scriptures in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, and so I think 
maybe the the catalyst, um, if if not my grandmother taking me to to church at such a young age. Um, I, I have a great great love for cinema and for for film and for for movies. So I I developed an interest in you know movies about um, well, of course you know the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston. Then there's the the cartoon version of the story of Moses, and I, I, I grew up, you know, watching these stories. Um, but I had also seen movies about the life of Christ. Uh, my favorite one, and, and probably the one that had the most profound impact on me um, at that, at the, the time, you know, when I was around 11 or 12, was the movie The Greatest Story Ever Told. And after watching the, the life of Christ, his, his public ministry, his passion, his death, his resurrection. Um, I really found uh, almost, it was almost as if something was was tugging at my heart. There was a, a, a curiosity that was, that was sparked in me uh, because as I was learning about the Jewish faith and getting to know the scriptures and the prophets, I realized that I didn't know that much about Jesus of Nazareth. And so uh, that curiosity drove me uh, to investigate. <laughs> and I started, uh, I, which I think is the best place that anybody could start for a person who is, is searching. And um, that's with the Gospels. That's, that's with the Gospels. You know, the, the Gospel is, is one, of the, uh, one of the pillars. It's, it's the core and, and the heart and soul of our faith, uh, aside from our, the Eucharist, our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. Um, so I started um, with the Gospel of Matthew, and after reading the genealogy of Jesus, so I, I didn't get very far into the Gospels before the Holy Spirit started working on me, and just from reading that genealogy, I said, okay, well, Jesus descends from the, the, line, of, the line of David. And I knew from what I was learning um, in Hebrew school that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. Um, for I, I, I knew the, the scriptures well enough to know the prophecies. And right at the beginning of the, the Gospel of Matthew, I said, wow, this, this Jesus of Nazareth, um, well, you know, the, the Jews are, are still waiting uh, for the Messiah to come. But as far as fulfilling the prophecies in the scriptures, it, it really seems like Jesus of Nazareth, um, it seems like he fits the bill, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and so that's, that's when the questions, you know, started going deeper and deeper. And I didn't really know where to take these questions other than to my Hebrew school teacher. Um, so, you know, I, I was one of her favorite students because I like I said, I was always always asking questions, always very engaged and very very interested in what I was learning. Um, but I wanted to know about Messiah, and I wanted to know more about what the Jewish people were expecting from him. And I couldn't help myself but to ask um, to ask my teacher if maybe Jesus might be the Messiah, maybe he's the one. Maybe he's the one that we've all been waiting for. 
maybe he's maybe he's already here. Maybe we don't have to look any further than him. And uh, she wasn't too thrilled about that line of line of questioning. Um, but when uh, asking about Jesus, she I think was fair to say she was taken aback and uh, maybe brushed it off a little bit and said, "Well." Jesus is, he's a great prophet. He is a great teacher. He is a rabbi and he definitely, he changed the world. Uh, his, his life uh, um, made history. But as far as being the Messiah, her response was that when Messiah comes, that there will be peace on earth, that the, the dead will, will rise from the grave. And so if Jesus were to be the Messiah, then why have those prophecies not been fulfilled? Um, which, well, I, I mean, it, she she had a good point, but I didn't, I, I wasn't really satisfied with that answer because all you have to do is is read the scriptures to see the way that, that these prophecies are being fulfilled. And of course, one would have to know about the second coming of Jesus and, you know, the, the last judgment um, where we the, the faithful will attain to the resurrection of the body, but that his first coming was to preach the good news of salvation for the forgiveness of our sins, um, you know, that, that we would begin to spread the kingdom of God on earth, not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, that in the end times, uh, we'll all be one flock united under, under one shepherd, I mean, I don't think I would have been able to articulate it like that at, you know, 11, 12 years old, but it seemed to me that um, my teacher was only skimming the surface and that there was, there was more to Jesus than, than meets the eye. And I think really, uh, Mr. Schumann, what, what the turning point was, uh, it, would, it would have to be prayer. Um, of course, you know, in, in my youth, there were other seeds that, that were planted um, where God was, was gently drawing me. I won't go into that because I'm, I'm going to try to make um, this story as, well, I'll, I'll try to be as, as brief and, and really get to the point here without going into um, unnecessary details. But a prayer prayer is is the key as as Padre Pio said that that opens the heart of God and so I started bargaining with God you know I started making deals with him and for for anybody who does that you know we know how that goes I mean God respects our freedom but in the end um he he usually gets his way uh he can be very convincing um and so I would say you know Lord okay, maybe Jesus is the Messiah. Maybe, maybe he's the son of God. Um, but if this is true, if this is true, this is really not a good time. <laughs> you know, can, can he call back later? Maybe one day when I'm married and I have a family, because the difficulty for me was that I had no idea how to go about speaking to my parents about this. I mean, I, I wouldn't know what to say because I, I didn't really know what it was that I that I wanted um so the the call for anyone who who has experienced something similar is always difficult um difficult to describe we don't know exactly what what it is that God wants from us 
but we just know that he is reaching out to us. And um, so we know that we know that God is, is reaching out to us. We don't know what he's asking, uh, but, but he's knocking, he's knocking on the door. And so I really just kind of, I really just buried uh, the, the feelings that I was having. I, I, I buried them in my heart and I made up my mind uh, never to speak of it, um, at, at least not until long, long after I was, I was bar mitzvahed. Um, but our Lord uh, had, a, had another plan in mind. And what started to happen was that I, I quickly went from being my Hebrew school's uh, favorite student to probably being the, the biggest pain in the butt, you know, asking all these, these questions about Jesus of Nazareth. And I, the, the initial joy that I experienced in going to Hebrew school and reading the scriptures and learning about them, it started to fade because I knew that something was missing. Um, because whenever you pick up the Gospels and, and you read about the life of Christ, especially his, his sacrifice for us and, and, his, and his passion, um, dying for our sins, there is just, there is a love. There is a tenderness in, in the heart of Jesus that appeals most, especially to sinners, um, which, which we all are. Uh, but some, some people are given a, a deeper knowledge of, of their sins and their, their sinfulness than others. I mean, in, in today's day and age, there really isn't much of a sense of, of sin. It's, it's not really preached uh, the way that it's supposed to be or spoken of. Um, uh, the way that, you know, people, people don't understand, but I knew that this Jesus that I, I was getting to know through, through reading his word, that he didn't care about my sins. You know, he, he, he wanted me. He wanted, he wanted my heart. He wanted to forgive my sins. He wanted to heal me. And I just going back and forth to Hebrew school. It was, it was nice learning how to read Hebrew but I wanted that mercy. I, I wanted that, that relationship um, with Jesus that I felt was, that I felt was lacking because, you know, e even going to, to Hebrew school, you can, you can learn the stories about the tradition. You can learn about what he, he did for our people, but uh, the, obviously the Jewish people have, have so many questions because our people have suffered so much. So how, how can God be loving? How can God be merciful? And not everyone knows that, that Jesus is, is the answer to that. He, he is, he's the answer to, to suffering and, and to pain in this world. Um, so I, you know, learning, learning Hebrew was nice, but I, I wanted that. I wanted that experience of, of a savior of a redeemer. Um, and it just, it just weighed heavily on, on my heart, Mr. Schumann. Uh, it went from being my greatest joy to go to Hebrew school to really kind of just dragging my feet. Like it, it was an obligation or a chore, something that I had to do to please my parents. Um, and so long, long story short, one day I'm, I'm getting ready to go to Hebrew school. 
And my mother um, was doing me the favor of, of driving me back and forth. Um, she was very generous of her to do, being that Judaism, you know, wasn't her faith, obviously, out of respect to my father. You know, she didn't mind. She would even come and, and sit and, and listen to the lessons that my Hebrew teacher would give. So my mother was, was a part of my faith um, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, even Judaism. And uh, I'm, I'm very close to my mother. I, I love her very much. And I thank God that on that day, as I was getting ready to, to get in the car for Hebrew school, I was just looking downcast and like, you know, like I was carrying a, a weight on my shoulders. And she stopped me in my tracks and she said, Stephen, what's the matter? And I said, oh, mom, you know, nothing. She goes, and keep in mind, you know, my, my mom is like an Italian woman from, from Brooklyn. So she's got like that kind of charismatic thing going on. And she said, no, no, no. I know, I know my son. You can't pull the wool over my eyes. I know when, when something is not right with you. And I know that you've always loved going to Hebrew school. Why the long face? Let's talk to me. You don't have to hide anything from me. I'm your mother. I love you. You can tell me anything. Is, is it that you don't want to have the bar mitzvah because, you know, you're, you're nervous about the party? Or... And I said, I was just insisting that I want to talk until finally she broke through and like I just had a rip off get it out I couldn't hold it in anymore and I said mom I love Jesus Christ I want to be his disciple and I want to I want to follow him I want to be a Christian that's what's going on and as soon as I as soon as I said that it was like her jaw just dropped and she goes, oh boy, <laughs> well, that sounds like a conversation that you need to have with your father, not with me. So, but she said that, of course, jokingly, it was, it was a very tender moment and it was very emotional. And so she gave me a big hug and she just kissed me and told me that she loved me, that she was going to support me and she was happy for me. And that night I worked up the courage. I went spoke to my dad, who is um, just one of the most wonderful people you could ever meet, and just a, a good, virtuous man. And after talking to him, he looked me in the eye and he said, you're my son, I love you, and I support you, whatever your decision is. If you believe in God in your heart, and you follow him, you need to listen to your heart and follow him the way that your heart is leading you. And if you do that, I'll be proud of you, no matter what. So, Mr. Schumann, I, I got the green light, and I, I couldn't, couldn't get to a church fast enough. So I, I reached out to the local parish, which just happened to be down the street from my house, which nobody knew that. Um, 
I say that because at that time, you know, my mother wasn't really going to mass as much. She started to come back a little bit more um, after I started going through this this conversion process. Um, and so uh, we reached out to the director of religious education and I entered into the um, RCIA program and there was about a, a two year preparation um, going through, uh, what is it called? The the, the scrutinies and the, the rites of, of Christian initiation. Uh, it was such a beautiful and grace-filled time. And at 14 years old, uh, in the year 2009, which was my freshman year of high school, I became a, a full member um, in communion with uh, the Holy Catholic Church. And it was the most joyful day of my life. And I thank our, our Lord and our Blessed Lady every single day um, for the great grace of, of being a, a Catholic Christian. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know what I think I'm going to uh, do, Stephen, is um, usually, kind of traditionally, uh, we take a, a short musical break halfway through. And I don't want to let you off the hook, but I'm thinking that maybe, uh, maybe you want to kind of catch your breath a little bit. So maybe it would be yeah, a good no, idea. I wouldn't mind that. You wouldn't mind that. Yeah, you've been I, doing. I think you've been. So. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me take a moment and just uh, collect my thoughts. That's honestly, right. I just said all that to you. I don't even know half of what I said. I I pray that the Holy Spirit just spoke through me, and that's it. <laughs> it was very, very, very beautiful. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll let you gather your thoughts, and um, I don't want to. Actually, I don't even want to have the sound of my voice kind of um, color. You're telling your testimony, so I'll go to that musical break. Oh, please, it's too much. <laughs> we'll have a. Um, it's uh, the Salve Regina, it's chanted very beautifully, okay. so that's very appropriate. And we'll be back in about three minutes. And um, you're listening to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism. <laughs> that's a good name for the show, isn't it, Stephen? Um, pretty it appropriate. Is, Mr. Excuse me. I said it certainly is, Mr. Schumann. Yep, that's is. right. But you're a perfect guest for Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism. And uh, you're listening to it on Radio Maria with me, your host, Roy Showman. And we have a guest on, Stephen, uh, who is a another uh, raised Jewish and very enthusiastic entrant into the Catholic Church, not because he left Judaism, but because he found Judaism. And uh, he's been telling his witness testimony, and he's come, gotten up to his baptism. So that makes a little logical, uh, a little logical break point. And so let's have uh, Harper Day chanting the Salve Regina, and we will continue hearing more about the continuation of Judaism in the Catholic Church from Stephen in about uh, two and a half minutes. So let me hope that. Um, my technology works here. So here we are going to the Salve Regina. Salve Regina Mater Nostra 
Welcome back. Uh, this is Roy Shoman. You're listening to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism on Radio Maria, the show that celebrates the fulfillment of the promise of Judaism in the Catholic Church and her sacraments. And we have been talking with a new friend of mine, another enthusiastic Jewish entrant into the Catholic Church, Stephen. And um, he just we just got through his baptism. So, I don't know, Stephen. Uh, do you do you want to just take the ball and run with it, or may I ask you some questions? Which which suit you better? Whichever you prefer. Why don't Why don't you go ahead and ask me your your questions? Okay. Well, the first thing is you you said that your baptism was um, the happiest day of your life, at least up to that point, probably. And I want to ask you about the other sacraments, what they mean to you: confession and absolution and the Eucharist. Everything. Everything. That's the answer. Care to elaborate? <laughs> yes, yes. I would I would be happy to. I would be happy to elaborate. Well as before, you know, before we get into into the sacraments themselves, um, as you mentioned earlier in the show, today is the a first Saturday um dedicated to our lady, so I, I would be remiss um, as a Catholic, not to speak about our Blessed Lady, about our Blessed Mother, because she she is the one, Mr. Schumann, um, that draws us to the, the sacraments. She draws us to the Eucharist um, and to, to, to 
to confession, uh, the sacrament of, of penance, um, which of, of course prepares us to, to celebrate the Eucharist worthily and, and to receive our Lord in Holy Communion in a, in a worthy manner. And she, was, she played a very, very key role um, in deepening not only my understanding of, of the sacraments, but also of metanoia. Um, that is, you know, in, in Greek, to, to grow in, in conversion. Um, I believe in, in Hebrew, it's, uh, correct me if I'm mispronouncing this, but is it tishuva? Tshuva, yeah. Yeah, tshuva, it's, it's returning, so, it's conversion, yeah. And so I, I spoke earlier a little bit about developing a, a sense of sin and of the gravity of sin. So I, I would say that really in, in the beginning of, of my conversion, it was very much um, an intellectual um, ascent uh, to, the, to the truths of, of the faith. Um, I, had a, I had a vague understanding of, of sin, and I mean, we all, we all have sins, and we all know uh, the havoc that, that the enemy wreaks on this world um, uh, th- through, through sin. Um, but I don't know that at, at 12 years old, I really, really understood what it meant to turn away from sin and to, to turn towards God. And so it, I, it probably was not until I, I reached the age of, I want to say, maybe 20, 21, 20 or 21 years old, that I started to understand the seriousness of the spiritual life, not just as an intellectual assent to the truths of the faith, but rather as a, as a radical, how can I say this? It, it is, one has to give oneself over to the grace of God. Um, and that, that relationship with our Lord and, and particularly with our lady, really, um, it opens the eyes of the heart to see that yes god is good god is all powerful he is he is almighty and he he works miracles and he's he's sovereign he's uh christ the pantocrator he's he's the lord the lord of all right he's also jesus the friend of sinners uh he he is the divine mercy and when when we see the the great need that we ourselves and and really this this whole world in in these times that we're living in that we we need our merciful savior our our blessed mother is entrusted uh, particularly with the role of of drawing us into that relationship with with the merciful god um no one no one comes to uh her son in the blessed sacrament i mean just as the scripture says no one comes to the father but by me so too, I believe no one no one can seriously come to a relationship with Jesus um, in the sacraments, especially in the Holy Sacrament of the Altar, without the assistance of His Blessed Mother. It just it just doesn't happen. And so, maybe I'll I'll shorten my answer there, but just to kind of leave it with a, a little bit more of maybe something that can be a springboard, and maybe you can lead in with other questions that you have. But I want to highlight that the most perfect and beautiful way of doing that is by means of, of consecration to our lady. 
And it was around that, that age of 20, 21 years old that I started learning about Marian consecration through uh, Louis de Montfort. And um, if anyone is familiar with Father Michael Gately and his 33 Days to Morning Glory, which is a, a beautiful way of, of approaching Jesus and being consecrated to him through Our Lady, that really started to set me on the road of not just, you know, reading the scriptures or reading the lives of the saints, but really trying to um, imitate the life of Christ in, in the spirit of Our Lady through devotion uh, to, to the sacraments and, and um, all, the, all the means that the, that the church provides for us to, to draw close to our Lord. Wow. Okay, well, um, I, uh, I'll introduce this question with a little a little anecdote, which is, I have another friend who is a uh, fervent Jewish entrant into the Catholic Church. Her name is Marie, and uh, actually, regular listeners may remember some shows that she she was on with me. Um, and I assumed, I assumed when I began speaking to her, that it was the Eucharist and wanting to receive the Eucharist that uh, compelled her, so to speak, to. Um, be baptized and enter the Catholic Church. It was a very hard hurdle for her because she was uh, ultra-Orthodox and living in a Hasidic community. So th there was a big impediment, oh, wow. practical impediment to, to being baptized. Uh, but anyway, it turned out I was wrong. It wasn't the desire to receive Eucharist that forced her over that hurdle. It was the desire to receive confession, or rather to receive the sacrament of confession. And so I let me move on to another sacrament, which is uh, you know, coming from Judaism, coming from an awakening of conscience, conscience, when you were still Judaism, into the Catholic sacramental system with the availability, the ready availability of sacramental confession. Um, you know, how does that strike you? Well, that's, that's a, a loaded question. Um, just speaking of the, the sacrament of confession, um, first, I think it might be appropriate uh, at this time just to say that, you know, obviously Jesus is the one who gives us the sacraments, but we, the faithful, we would not have access uh, to the sacraments uh, without the priesthood. And so, Mr. Schumann, we, as I'm sure you know, we have to be so grateful to God um, for our priests, uh, for the ones who, who make the sacraments available to us, but especially in, in the sacrament of confession, you know, when you get a when you get a good priest, you know, and when you get a holy priest, or I should say a, a sacrificial priest, you know, a, a, a true, someone with a shepherd's heart that um, understands the reality of sin and is really willing to, uh, to walk with the sinner um, down that path of conversion and well, let me put it to you this way. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy. And um, if it's the world, the flesh, and the devil, those are our enemies. And uh, they're no joke. But when God puts the right people in your life, you know, when he, when he puts the right priests and the right, the right ministers in your path that are willing to answer your questions and, and, and talk to you, and really have this kind of pastoral approach. Uh, they're the ones that are, are responsible for, for guiding us, you know, in that, in that journey. Um, 
And as, as far as, as confession goes, um, all I can say is thank God for it. Thank God for confession because sin uh, really, it has a way of blinding us to the truth. A lot of times when, when we're stuck in sin, either because of, of ignorance or indifference, um, it's just, you know, I just, just graduated from a, a liberal arts uh, college, uh, St. Mary Magdalene in New Hampshire, which is a wonderful school. I would recommend it to anyone who's, who's looking to send their children to a faithfully Catholic school. But uh, I, I had a teacher there who would say, sin makes you stupid because sin um, and uh, the devil, right? It's all about mediocrity, you know? And well, I could, I could say not to, not to get too much into metaphysics, but as St. Augustine says, you know, in, in his confessions that, you know, sin and or evil itself, it's like, it doesn't really have its own substance. It's rather, it's, it's an absence of being. Um, it's, it's a depravity because the devil cannot create anything. Uh, he, he has no power to do that. Um, all he can do is twist, you know, the good things that God has created. And, you know, as for myself, I grow up in a, in a very worldly place. You know, I'm, I'm over here in New Jersey. No, no offense to any of our, our listeners from New Jersey. Roy, I know that, um, I know that you originally come from uh, New Jersey as well. You know, but forget about even New Jersey. I mean, where, wherever you are in, in the modern world today, sin is everywhere, especially as a young person. You know, if, if we have any young adults who are listening, there's so much out there today. There are, are so many obstacles and, and so many temptations, so many allurements that the devil puts really to, to distract us from the highest good, which is, which is God, by trying to entice us with, you know, secondary goods. You know, he, he tries to get us to settle um, for less. I, I think it was C.S. Lewis who, who said something along those lines, if, if I'm not mistaken. And so, you know, that, that was my experience. Um, my, my interest has, has always been in theater and the performing arts and, and acting. I've been doing it since I was very young. Uh, I actually, you know, I did it professionally for a little while. Um, I did some, some things here and there. Um, and I don't mean to bash the entertainment industry, but I mean, all, all one has to do is just turn on the television on, on a Tuesday night and you take your pick. I mean, there's just, there's so much, well, how do I want to say this? There's just so much nonsense. It's just, it's just nonsense uh, that's out there. And, you know, when you're, when you're in that industry and I'm, I'm sure, you know, I mean, there's, there's sin and brokenness in, in every industry, but whenever you're in a high profile position, like being an athlete or, or being, you know, a person who's a, a public person or, you know, a, a speaker or a, a, a personality of some sort, um, the temptations get a little bit more serious. Um, they, they get a little bit more, um, yeah, I guess that's just really the best way to say it is that they get a little bit more serious. And if it was not for the sacrament of confession, uh, thank God that we're, that we're living in the time of mercy. Um, 
I, I have to nod my head to to St. Faustina and you know the the work that's being done, people that are trying to promote the message of of divine mercy that you know for anyone who is discouraged, for anyone who is feeling that they're too far gone, um, I forget who says who who said this, maybe it, it was the Holy Father, Pope Francis, but that God never wearies. He never, he never tires of, of forgiving us for our sins. And, you know, when I was, when I was uh, a little bit younger and out there, you know, in the, in the entertainment industry, I mean, I, I don't have to spell it out, you know, for our listeners, but, you know, there's the parties and there's the, the people and the places and the things. And it just has a, has a way of pulling you down and leading you off the path. But, once again, our, our blessed lady was the one and, you know, the priest that she put in my life who persisted um, in walking with me in, in uh, you know, just the, the faith that always encouraged me, come back to the sacraments, come back to confession. Don't be ashamed of, of, of those sins. Bring them to God because, you know, when you, when you just do that, when you just put yourself before the priest and you receive that absolution, you're going straight to the, to the heart of mercy. I mean, what, what more can, what more can you want? There should be nothing that, that stops a person um, from, from pursuing um, one's relationship with Christ. There, there should be no obstacle, even, even the worst sin, St. Faustina, or maybe it was Jesus who said this to Faustina, the greater the sinner, the greater the right he has to God's mercy. And that's the gospel truth, Mr. Schumann. That's, that's the way to put it. Amen. Amen. Remember the, the, the shepherd, the good shepherd that leaves the 99 sheep to there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one lost sheep who's brought back than over the 99 who didn't stray. Um, it, it goes way back into the history of the church to the very beginning. The, um, the joy that God has in in receiving somebody who is lost and is found again. I, I mean, sounds corny, right? Because it's the prodigal son, but it's really, it's really true. Um, only one sacrament left, only about three minutes left, but uh, say something about the Eucharist, receiving the Eucharist, the, the you know, the, the uh, ability to go to Mass and receive the Eucharist. Oh, Mr. Schumann, I, I can't, I can't say enough about the Eucharist. So you're, you're giving me three minutes to work with and I'll, I'll do the best that I can on that. But well, the Eucharist, the Eucharist. So, well, my, my first profound encounter with, with our Lord in the, in the blessed sacrament, I was maybe about three years old. So this was long before I entered the church, not too long, but it was, was before I was received as, as a member of, of the church. And uh, my, my grandfather, who was a Catholic, he, he passed away. And I was sitting there in, in the pews, and it was time for, for Holy Communion. And everyone started uh, going up and approaching the, the priest to, to receive the Eucharist. And as I was sitting there, I remember, I remember looking at Christ on the cross, just, just staring at him, um, Staring at him on, on that cross and really feeling that 
didn't know how to explain it, but that I wanted to know that man on the cross. And I knew that everybody who was getting in line to receive the Eucharist was going to receive something special. I don't know if I would have known that it was Jesus hidden there in the Blessed Sacrament, but I, I felt such a desire to know what it was all about that I actually started throwing a temper tantrum in the church. I was hysterically crying, just inconsolable. And I was screaming because, again, I, I say I, don't, I didn't really know what it was at the time. To me, I, I called it the chip. That's what I called it, the chip. And the church was dead silent except for me just screaming out, I want that chip. I want the chip. And my aunt, who was sitting next to me, was trying to, you know, quiet me down and said, Eden, you can't have that chip. You're Jewish. This isn't for Jewish people. If only she knew how, how wrong she was in that statement. Right, Mr. Schumann? <laughs> he came first to the I'll Jewish interrupt. people. And, and no one can be happy without that chip, Jew or Gentile. Amen. Amen. And so my grandmother, um, the one who I was speaking about earlier that influenced me by, you know, she would occasionally take me to mass. She said, no, we're going to, we're going to take him up there and we're going to, we're going to let him have the chip. Of course, I don't think, you know, she really understood. Uh, but as I said, you know, she had a, a simple, a simple face. So I was her grandson. I was crying. I wanted the chip. I was spoiled rotten. She was going to help me get the chip. So I follow her up and I was way under the, you know, the age to, to, to even be receiving communion, whether I was Jew or Gentile. And the priest said, no, I'm sorry, ma'am. I can't, I can't give this to him. But I stood there and <laughs> wasn't really, wasn't going to be satisfied with that answer. So he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Let's give him a little, little blessing. He blessed me, and that memory, you know, is, is, is clear in my mind to this day. It, it just felt like a special moment. And I, I look back on that now, I'm, I'm privileged, you know, to be able to really go to Holy Communion almost any time that I want to. You know, the, the sacraments are, are readily, readily available, and it's, it's the source and summit of the Christian life. And so, my experience of the Eucharist is that anyone, you know, who comes to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have any life within you. So just for our listeners, um, when you go before the Lord in Eucharistic adoration and you receive him in Holy Communion, um, I would highly recommend for anybody who wants to learn more about what the Eucharist is about. There's a wonderful book called Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. I don't know if you've read it, Mr. Schumann, but it's just, what a, what a treasure we have in the Blessed Sacrament. What a great grace. Amen. 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 Um, it's the source and summit of life, never mind of the Christian life. Anyway, um see this wasn't so painful right it went pretty well it went great oh my goodness mr schumann my heart is racing i'm, I'm shaking like a like a leaf over here <laughs> well don't worry you did great and don't forget the commission you're gonna get in heaven 
So um, that's just one Jew speaking to another Jew. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, I better get off the air before I embarrass myself with more anti-Semitic comments. But you've been listening to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism on Radio Maria. And we've had the great privilege and pleasure of hearing this very stirring witness testimony from another grateful, enthusiastic Jewish entry into the Catholic Church. So I want to thank you for listening and invite you to tune in again next week, same time, same place, for Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism on Radio Maria with me, your host, Roy Shoman. And um, I will be going now. I will fade out with the um, beautiful Salve Regina. And uh, I hope to see you again next week. Bye for now. Salve.